0: It's time for JT the Brick.
1: This is about <laughs> as good as it gets. It is. There's some legends here. No there, doubt right? about
2: it. I can't believe the Raiders had Cliff Branch and Fred Belenacal um, on the same team, but, uh, but they, had, they had such a dynamic team.
3: JT the Brick.
2: I just love, I don't know, I just love the Raiders. I, I'm, I'm not sure why, growing up in Kansas, I love John Madden and Mark Van Egan. Mark Van Egan, Mark Van Egan yeah. Um Guys like that, I just, I don't know, I just love the Raiders for some reason.
3: Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick.
0: JT, back with you as we continue our number two of the show, brought to you by Modello with the Fighting Spirit. We'll be out on the strip on Thursday, coming up here as we get rolling for the draft. A week from Thursday, our coverage of the draft begins. I don't know what your plan is. We're trying to help you. So we got a big remote set up at Caesars Cafe Americano. We'll be there before IMC and uh, anchor on radio. Part of the Raiders draft from three to five over at Dre's which we're excited to be at. We had a party there a couple of years ago. It was wild. And then Friday, it'll cool down just a little bit. We'll be at the M Resort Spa for another appearance there. Our entire lineup is going to be out on the strip, giving you that in-depth team coverage of the draft, like you would expect from a flagship station in the NFL. Hour number two, we begin with the Spanish voice of the Raiders. Harry Ruiz joins us. And, Harry, we sat down with Derek Uh, last week after he had his press conference and everybody's been examining the contract on how flexible it was what Derek decided to you know not sign for and big guarantees to be flexible what do you think of the deal when you looked at it thanks for
3: having me JT yeah I think it's a great deal both for Derek and the team look at it this way Derek Carr has set himself up for the rest of his life and probably his kids' life with his previous contract. With his contract right now, he's going to be helping out both the community and his future generations of cars in the family. He doesn't need $200 million and he is still getting paid a decent amount of money. He's not one of those quarterback club guys that they were in the group tech saying, I'm getting paid $5, make sure you get six. I'm getting six, make sure you get seven. I think he set himself up the right way to have success with this team and being able to add the pieces necessary around him. You see the way the contract is set up. It's pretty much being able to have Derek Hart and Devontae Adams on the team for the same amount of time. And if you have success, that means that you can keep extending it here in Las Vegas for the future.
0: Yeah, Harry, it's very interesting because some people think when you get an extension like this, it's 60 million in guarantees. And then this new wave kicks in that really didn't happen for Derek. And the more I look at the contract, as he makes the roster every year, as his guaranteed money kicks in the following year, that's where all the money goes. And I think with the no-trade clause, that protects Derek on the backside of it. It's this year with he was already under contract for in the final three years. So as long as he plays at a high level, let alone elite level, he should be on this team, especially with his best friend, Devontae Adams.
3: Exactly. And I know a lot of people were saying, is Derek worth?" million a year, and I look at it this way. Look at the other options you have to bring on to this team. Are they going to be better than Derek Carr? Who do you want? Aaron Rodgers, who just signed pretty much a $50 million a year deal in Green Bay that now he lost his elite wide receiver to the Raiders. You know Deshaun Watson wasn't going to be brought to Vegas with all the allegations he had. Patrick Mahomes, he said with Kansas City, Josh Allen, those are the guys – are in the top four, uh, top four, top five spots in the NFL. Derek Carr, in my opinion, he's borderline top 10. And with the weapons he has this season, he is going to be top 10 and going to be fighting to have these Raiders back in the playoffs. And then you see the next wave of quarterbacks that are going to be paid, JT. I think this deal is going to keep looking better and better as the years go by.
0: Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, joins us on Mondays. There's two players I want to talk about heading into the draft that I think still have tremendous upside if things start clicking for them. It would be John Abram, the safety on the back end, and Cleland Farrell, who plays edge rush or he can move inside. We'll start with Cleland, who was taken number four overall when he was drafted. That draft pick is a high value for other teams who would want him to play and trade for him on his rookie contract and then do it as a make-or-break deal. If he doesn't play well, they're not obligated to pay him on a new contract, and they'd get him for cheaper if the Raiders didn't want him and if the Raiders wanted to use him for trade bait heading into the draft. Do you think that's a possibility?
3: Anything is possible in sports, especially in the NFL. I don't think the Raiders can get much for Mm. Cleveland Furrow looking at his production over his first three years in the NFL. I don't think the Raiders will get that fifth year option on his Mm. contract or on Jonathan Abrams contract, but I don't think they can get much out of being able to trade Cleveland Furrow. I love the player. I love the Mm. person. He's a great guy, but I don't think he's, Been productive enough on the field to be able to command a lot of capital for the Raiders to be able to exchange him. So I hope he's able to bring in a good season for the Raiders if he's with the team. And I think I'm pretty positive he's going to be wearing silver and black next season and potentially something that we spoke about a lot during the preseason last year, maybe going into the inside instead of the outside. That didn't happen. We saw him even having an impact on special teams last year. So, uh, a number four draft pick, you expect him to be an immediate impact player on his team. And Cleveland hasn't had that impact since he debuted with the team. So, I don't think he would command a uh, lot for the Raiders to be able to trade him
0: away. Yeah, what's really interesting on that whole topic in the NBA, as you know, because I know you cover all sports, on the NBA, everybody wants those contracts, right? They want those expendable contracts. They want to bring them in and then use them to trade off other players and match salaries. That's not the way it works in the NFL. So I agree with you. I think the Raiders got a hope that he has and I, I think he's given effort. I think he and Jonathan Abram love being Raiders and they want it to work. The issue becomes, do, do other teams believe that a change of environment can get the player going and at times I've seen that Harry in sports history where a player moves from a team gets to another team there's new coaches there there's less pressure and all of a sudden they take it that their career to the next level those are two guys Abram and Cleveland Farrell that I'm complimenting them on I think that's really the only thing that's gonna save their careers is a light bulbs gonna go off this year with new coaches and they're going to be positioned and more confident, and they're going to play at a higher level, or they're not going to be here with their rookie contract extension, and they're going to go somewhere else on a last deal where the team's going to say, this is your last spot to stay in the league, and we hope we can take you to the next level. Those are two good players that the Raiders put a lot of draft equity in.
3: Absolutely, and look at it this way too, JT. Who are the defensive coordinators that they were coached by in the past? Paul Gunther and Gus Bradley Bradley if he sees something special in these two guys he can get the Colts to be able to trade something for one of these two but Gunther's out of the league and then you would have to look for their college coaches to see if one of them is in the league and being able to put the chips on the table and be like hey I want this guy I know I can make him work but so far it hasn't been the case in my opinion they're betting on themselves. If they don't get that fifth-year option, the only way to being able to command a big contract or at least a good contract in the NFL or even to stay in the league next year would be having a great season in 2022 with the Raiders. So I'm hoping that this bet ends up being a positive one both for the team and for the Raiders and that they're able to stay and potentially they would be even staying with the lesser contract that what could possibly be a 50-year option for the Raiders if it ends up working well, not in an elite level, but working well. Personally, I don't think that they will hit that top percentile in, the, in their position, but I think that they can be good players in their positions.
0: Harry Ruiz is our guest, the Latino voice of the Raiders. Uh, You and I talked about Josh Jacobs. He's got 28 touchdowns rushing in his career through three seasons, which is a really good number overall. Really good number, and none there when it comes to catching balls out of the backfield, which is surprising to me considering what he came in to do. What pressure do you think will be on Josh this year considering Dave Ziegler went out and brought in familiar running backs in that room it's a pretty crowded room there is that brought in to put pressure on Josh to play at a higher level in this deal before the contract extension is it a make or break year in your opinion
3: I think it's pretty much just guaranteeing the Raiders uh, being able to have players in that position that they won't have to be going out and looking for example like last year with Mm -hmm. Peyton Barber once you had injuries you had to go for a free agent, a guy that was pretty much on a practice squad with Washington to come in and help you. And he played really well. I think it was that Giants game that he had, or one of those home games that he played really well. That's what the Raiders want to not have, be themselves in that position, being able to go out and look for someone to cover that position. They're covered right now, but you look at the numbers, and Josh Jacobs' first two years in the NFL, over 1,000 yards. Last season, he missed out on two games. He started 14 out of the 17 and he almost hit 900 yards but had nine touchdowns that's very positive you know that he can do damage in the red zone if you give him the opportunity you remember year one his rookie season oh, it was great he he was hurt he was hurt he posted an x-ray on his snapchat of his injury and everybody's like and he's still playing that's the kind of that was his that best year Raiders- that, yeah that was 4.8 yeah, yards was-
0: a carry that was his best year and i think he only yeah. played 13 games
3: yeah, 11 uh 1, 7 yeah. touchdowns for Josh Jacobs that then next season he would he put himself on a goal to hit I think something around 40 catches And he ended up getting 33 last year. He increased that to 54. So he's been getting better in the reception category. But then you look at his rushing numbers that have been going down. But then I also think that's part of the predictability of the Raiders offense last season, JT, that you knew that on first down they were going to run the defense had it scouted and they were going to close those gaps and stop the running back to from getting more production. So with this new coaching staff with Josh McDaniels being the offensive mind that he is. I think he's going to be able to capitalize on Josh Jacobs. And if there's one of the three players that is up for the fifth year option this year for the Raiders that might get it, I think it could be Josh Jacobs.
0: Harry uh, Ruiz joins us. Always great to have him on Mondays. One more player I wanted to get an opinion on you this offseason. It's an important year for Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau last year, 30 receptions on 44 targets. 373 yards, three touchdowns overall. I mean, I like Moreau. I think he's a good player. He, he, I just don't think he's involved. He wasn't involved enough because Derek loved Renfro. We saw the numbers that went to Waller two years ago. He was injured last year. They're trying to get Edwards going. Henry Ruggs III was really getting going before his incident. So I think this is an important year for Moreau. I don't think Moreau can be on the team and be a 30-reception guy. With this situation, Derek mentioned him in his press conference about taking being flexible and taking less, so guys like Foster Moreau could be here long-term. My expectations are higher for him, especially if Waller's going to be healthy, which he better be. Is, is Moreau going to get more targets in this system with Josh McDaniels?
3: I think so. You look at the past on some of the New England Patriots yeah. that Josh McDaniels was in charge of, and they would use sets with two tight ends that would get the ball – Not in the same amount, but they would be constant targets for the quarterback. And I think if you have both Waller and Moreau healthy, that makes this offense even more dangerous. Moreau looked the best when Waller wasn't there. But if you're able to have both on the field and have both of them be productive, they're weapons, JT, and that's what Derek Carr wants. And he has a good connection with Foster Moreau. When Carr has those practices in local parks out here in Las Vegas, one of the guys that was always there – was Foster Moreau and Darren Waller. That's why they were able to have that chemistry on the field. And you know that when he gets the ball, it's not short yardage. You're going to get at least seven, eight yards out of a Foster Moreau catch, and that shortens the distance to the markers. So being able to have him on the field is going to be good. And I don't think he's going to command a huge contract for next year, but I like it that Derek Carr has in mind and knows that this year is one of is his contract here. If they don't get a deal done before the season starts, then it's going to be, he might hit the free agency if you don't have to tag him. But uh, Foster Moreau can be a great weapon for these Raiders Once the season starts,
0: you're happy about your Dodgers start to the year with the giants. They're right there back and forth and the Dodgers uh, best roster in all of baseball here. And some timely hitting with Freddie Freeman right out of the gate.
3: It's ridiculous. JT. I've watched every single game. And like yesterday, Andrew Haney being a great pitcher, pitching a shutout on his six innings of work. Mm -hmm. It's been crazy, but it's one week at a time. And we got an important week uh, against the Braves and the Padres. So, we'll definitely keep keep an eye on that, but I'm loving it. Stay healthy, and this team is has potential to be one of the best in MLB history.
0: Yeah, you got one of the best lineups in the history of baseball. 6 in a row Dodgers are 7 and 2. The only other teams in the National League with 7 wins, the Mets at 7 and 3 this year and the San Francisco Giants there at seven and two, Harry. We'll talk to you next week, uh, the Monday before the draft in Vegas. What are you What are you hearing? What kind of coverage? I know you're out there with the Raider Nation. We better get a big turnout, man. They're closing down the strip. That means Raider Nation in their gear gear is expected to be out in front of those hotels, leading the charge.
3: I know, man. I've been invited to so many parties. I know Cisco from the Black Hole is listening. Shout out to Cisco. Shout out to everybody in the Black Hole. I got a lot of friends flying in from Oakland, from Texas, from California. So it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a party. And the best part is, day one, we're not going to be stressed out. We're just going to be having yes. a good time and celebrating. Then day two, we're going to be focused on the third round and definitely day three with all the picks that the Raiders have at the moment.
0: Thank you, Harry. We'll talk to you then. See you next week.
3: Gracias, hermano.
0: There he is, Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the silver and black. Everywhere, from the parking lot to the broadcast, Love the job that he does. Eric Allen sits with him during the broadcast there in the booth and I'm very impressed with his ability, too. I got a call into to Eric Allen. Going to try to get him on sometime this week or next week as we recap the Raiders' offseason. 702-365, 9,200 is the number. He made a good point about no pressure being on the Raider fans. I, 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 it's gonna. We're going to have to wait and see the numbers. I wonder how many Raider fans are on the fence coming to Vegas because the Raiders don't have a pick to the third round or Raider fans are going to be, that's perfect. I don't want to sit by the stage anyway and get in a mosh pit and get in there. I want to sit back and have a great time, and I don't care where the Raiders pick. I'll see it on Saturday, Thursday, Friday, then Saturday. Harry made a good point. You know, no pressure. You ever go to a wedding when someone in your family, how everybody's freaking out? If you go to a wedding and someone in your immediate family is getting married, there's some drama going on, some dr- drama with the bride and the groom, the family, the mother-in-law, whatever it is. You go to a wedding of someone you're friends with or you're not involved in the planning and you got a table in the back near the bar and you're just kicking back having the time of your life knowing that you don't have to do anything, you don't have to make a speech, you can just kick back and have fun. That's the type of party I'm talking about for the draft. No pressure on Raider fans to fill out a mock draft. Guess what the Raiders are going to do in the third round? Who cares? Dave Ziegler was in charge of that. He'll take care of it for us. Let's just have a three-day Mardi Gras on the Strip. It's the closest thing we're going to see to that until we get to 2024 and the Super Bowl or right before that F1 when the F1 race comes in November of 2023. And the Strip will be closed for the race, obviously, but the rest of the area around the Strip and the track is going to be packed. I don't even know what that's going to look like. We're going to have the grand opening of so many other venues here before the Super Bowl. The sphere is going to open up. That's going to be incredible. And more and more arenas coming to town. It's an exciting time to be in Vegas. It'd be more exciting if the Golden Knights could make a playoff push. We'll talk about that with Mark Anderson coming up on the other side. And Kyle Bush from Vegas. Got a huge break and one in Bristol. Uh, Chris Myers will join us tomorrow. He anchored that broadcast. And we'll talk to him about that. I got a unique week lined up with some of the best guests in all of sports radio. J.T., we're rolling here Monday, kicking off a week, a week ahead of the draft on the flagship of the Raiders.
3: Knights clear of the zone as the final seconds come off. Here comes the horn. Final in Edmonton, Oilers four, Golden Knights zero. Yeah, we got to regroup. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this. We knew we weren't going to run the table. We talked about that two weeks ago. We were going to drop some points along the way. Uh, we're still right in the thick of things and short memory and get ready for the next one.
0: Well, that's Peter DeBoer. Yeah, I don't know how Peter DeBoer is saying we're going to lose a few. We're expecting that. Come on. It's got to be run the table. Got to treat every game like it's an elimination game. I am shocked that the Golden Knights are in this situation. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's. We have two dollars Grimaldi gift cards to give away this week. We usually give them to the best callers, ones that are most excited, ready to go. You got to be local in Vegas. We'll tell you tomorrow how you can secure a $50 Grimaldi's gift card. Mark Anderson, always kind enough to join us from the Review Journal, the great journalist. And, Mark, I'll lead with the Golden Knights. You just heard it coming out of break. I don't know if the Boar survives. I think he's a good coach. The team's loaded when healthy. They got everything they kind of need, and they're on the outside looking in. This would be an epic disaster if they missed the postseason.
2: Yeah, it would be, but it's isn't that kind of season. You know, they just—I don't know if I've ever seen a team go through this many injuries. I mean, it's it, a lot of times like, they put up basically an AHL team on the ice a lot of nights. So. Um, it, but yeah, they've they've also had chance. They've also had games they should have won, and they they've blown those games. And uh, that that when they went zero and five, and that one road trip against teams that they probably should have won at least three games. That to me, well, that was the season right there. I mean, maybe they still sneak into the playoffs, but if they don't, if you look back, that's the road trip that killed them. And and even with all the injuries, there's no excuse the way they played in that road trip.
0: You know what's interesting about hockey, especially the Golden Knights, if they get in. It's a long seven game series and they can win it. They have the better roster, unlike the playing game with San Antonio or Cleveland or some of New Orleans, where you just got to hope for a miracle if you're a low seed that you can advance. And then you're not going to win in that first round game against the number one seed. I think Vegas has a puncher's chance. I think a, a ton of pressure will come off their shoulders. They'll be healthier and they'll have a chance to regroup. You know, the coach always talks about this group being resilient. Well, I think they could be resilient in the playoffs, but they got to get in the playoffs. And I'm looking at the numbers here, Mark, and it barely pencils for me.
2: No, I, I agree. I, it, right now, if you, if I had to bet my house, on, I'd say they don't make the make the postseason. But I, I also agree with you. If they, if they get in, I would not want to face them. You know, especially yeah. since now they're getting healthier. Uh, you know, this is probably the healthiest they've been in a long time. And uh, if they if they uh, if they keep this health, uh, you know, and and make the playoffs. I would not count that team out. If you told me right now they get the playoffs and they make the Stanley Cup final, I wouldn't be shocked.
0: No, I wouldn't be. Uh, Mark Anderson's our guest. Let's move on. I got I got a problem here because if I was hosting this show in a college football town, I'd be thrilled. I'd be hosting more college football mm-hmm. along with the NFL. And when I look at UNLV football, I just can't – I wished Marcus Arroyo well. When I see them, I want them to do well. I live in Vegas. I want UNLV to win, but I can't cover a team that wins one or two games. I can't put 20 minutes away or 15 minutes away every day for a team that's not competitive. Now I'm reading about players that they're losing in the portal What's the story behind the scenes here? Do they have enough good players? I was led to believe that once he got in here with the Oregon background with Justin Herbert and the ability to recruit, it'd take him two years to get his guys in, and then with the transfer portal, they'd be up and running again. Is that not the case?
2: It hasn't been so far. Um, you know, losing Steve Jenkins, a receiver, uh, that's that's a big loss. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know really the story behind that. Um you know, it, it, but it, it can't be a good sign that he doesn't seem to think there's a future here. Uh, losing Doug Brumfield the quarterback to me doesn't strike me as as big a loss, just because I think he must see the writing on the wall that he's not in serious contention to be the starting quarterback this next season. So it, it would, and maybe the coaches might mm-hmm. have even gone to him and say, "Hey, you know, we can help you find another spot if if you want if you want us to." That that I wouldn't be shocked if that's if that's what happened. So, um, but it. You know, I, I he has brought in some top uh, put, uh, transfers, and so you know that's that's what gives me a little bit of pause that maybe they're starting to get it together. I, I don't know, um, but I haven't. You know, if, if you. If you look from the beginning to end, I haven't seen a whole lot right now to give me a whole lot of confidence that this is going to be a bowl team next season. I think they need to at least be in condition for that, for him to keep his job.
0: Let me stop here for a second again with the stadium and the stadium being here for them to play in a pro football stadium. And again, I'm not asking them to fill it. I'm not asking them to sell it out. I'm not even asking them to fill up the lower bowl. But something's got to give here because of the stadium and the ability to play in an NFL facility, what the Fertitas did with the Fratita complex and the training center, which is up to speed when it comes to the conference there. Are there more kids getting the getting the pitch, the pitch about playing in Vegas? Playing in a Legion Stadium, having a great practice facility, and transferring in—I don't want to hear about freshmen coming in out of high school. That's not going to work here. I want to hear about the transfer portal. I want to hear about veteran players transferring who have proven that they can play D1 football. I think that's the only way to save this program.
2: Yeah, and and, you know, that's they are making that effort. I mean, they're bringing in what the Tennessee quarterback and and his old high school. teammate i can't and he played at a big time place too i can't off the top of my head i just forgetting but i mean they're making that effort but you know we've seen it before they, the the you brought players in from power fives and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't so i mean it's hard to it's hard to say that yeah these guys are going to come in and get it done but i agree with you that's the way they have to go and, and that's just the way it is in college athletics anyway right now uh college basketball is saying you if if you're going to do well now, you better you better be in that portal. Yeah. And so, um, you know I, know, I know the basketball team just picked up a Colorado transfer today. So that obviously that's what Kevin Kruger's is doing. So, like, you know, I'm, I guess I'm in. I'll believe it when I see it with the football program right now. And this just go, this goes even beyond Marcus Arroyo. You know, I, having been here since '99, I've seen two winning seasons. And you know, I, I yeah. used to think that. Um, this was a place you could really win big, and I still think there's that potential there, but there's something about the program that's, that's just I don't know what it is
1: yeah.
2: uh, it just doesn't click right, and so uh, maybe Arroyo gets it done but, you know, I'll, I'll like you know I'll check in at the end of the season and going in right now. My, my hopes aren't the, aren't the highest.
0: Yeah. Mark Anderson joins us as we wrap it up from the review journal. The rebels have a spring showcase at Allegiant stadium open to the public on Saturday. They have practices Tuesday and Thursday at rebel park. And then from the 26th through draft weekend, their final practices at rebel park. So if you've got a chance, go out and see if the team has improved. Finally, Uh, Mark, Derek Carr's contract, you're good at numbers there. He didn't seem to get much in guarantees, but he's given the Raiders flexibility, and there's a lot of big money coming as he makes the roster every year with Devontae Adams. When you looked at the contract and you peeled it back a little bit, what would you think? I think, you
2: know, it it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I think the Raiders are in an interesting spot because I think they believe they can win with Derek Carr, but they also know that... um, there's a huge draft class coming up next year with mm-hmm. quarterbacks, so you kind of give give Derek a, a chance, a, one year to really show what he can do with the new the new, uh, new regime, um, and uh, and I I think and Derek Carr is kind of betting on himself a little bit here too, mm-hmm. and I I I I think I'm probably a bigger Derek Carr fan than a lot of people. I I do think you can win with him. I think he proved that last season. I mean, look at all that we went through last season, and. I don't think there are that many quarterbacks in the league that would have held that team together. And I, good point. And I, I think he, you know, I think he showed what he can do. Uh, they were one, one drive away from beating the Bengals, and who knows how far they go if they win that game. So, um, I, I think it's a really good, good contract, actually, actually, for both sides.
0: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see what happens in the next couple couple of weeks. Thank you. Sounds good, JT. Thanks, for having me On you got it, Mark Anderson from the Review Journal. Very interesting what he said about Rebels football again. Rebels football is not going to get five minutes. You just got five minutes. That's it. And that's it. And I can't do anymore. I cannot believe people in town can spend that much time on this team and they can't win. You get to the point there's too much content that's important with the Knights. And they might be out of the playoffs. So maybe if they're out of the playoffs to Golden Knights, that might open up the door for some shows to spend more time on UNLV football, we're trying to talk about winners here. It is tough to talk about teams that can't win. And I've made it clear, I want the team to win. They've got to take another step this year. They've got to win five or six games, not one or two. They've got to win seven or eight games. They've got to go in that direction. They think they have the head coach to do it. Now the coach has got to get better players in the portal. The portal is the key for Kevin Kruger, and I know Kevin well, really behind the basketball team more than the football team, these coaches got to live in the portal, and they got to convince people to come to Vegas. That shouldn't be tough. Have you been to Boise? Boise's up and coming, which is great. But it shouldn't be hard to tell a D1 football player that you shouldn't go to Washington State in Pullman. You shouldn't go to Idaho State. You shouldn't go to Iowa. You should come to Vegas and live a mile off the strip, play at Allegiant Stadium, you know, I have some perks for mom and dad when they come in, see a show. I mean, am I overthinking this? What the hell has taken so long for these two college, uh, college basketball and the college football program to live in the portal and get in these private jets and go sit down with these players that are in the portal and just sell Vegas? Don't sell your vision of how great you're going to be. These kids are only playing for a year, year and a half. They're not going to play at the next level. If you're coming for UNLV basketball or football, you're probably not going to play at the next level. You might. Come here for a good time, Las Vegas, and play in these unbelievable arenas, T-Mobile Arena, Allegiant Stadium, and take your game and your notoriety to the next level. 702-365-9200. Olden Polonese will join us. And we'll hit on the NBA as the NBA was king over the weekend. Also, did anybody watch the USFL? Did you tune in? Did you watch it? Because, man, they were shoving that down our throats today on Fox. Fox Business, Fox News, Fox Sports 1. They are desperate for you to watch so the league doesn't tank. What would you think of the USFL? Did it get on your radar at all?
1: turns the corner on Dragic.
3: Eight seconds, kick out, left side Smart, upbakes, finds the cutter, Tatum spins, lays it up and in to beat the buzzer! It's over, it's over! The Celtics have won the ball game at the buzzer! Marcus Smart, upbaked the three, that killed the final seconds,
0: That was a great play-by-play call, wasn't it, on Celtics radio? Celtics win on a last-second layup in a game that went back and forth. That's going to be one hell of a series. JT, back with you. We're brought to you by Sam and Ash, your personal injury attorneys. An accident is incredibly stressful. Handle an insurance claim, overwhelming. Go get the two people that I know in town that will help you because you deserve what's right. That's full compensation for your injuries. It's big in Vegas. You need a personal injury attorney in this town. We have the ones for you. Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. You just heard the final players, the Celtics beat the Nets. Kyrie had a hell of a game, and the fans were all over him. Olden Polanyi is kind enough to join us, NBA Insider, 15 years in the league, one of the great big men, and one of my favorite guests, kind enough to join us. And Olden, you just heard that sound bite, but I want to ask about Kyrie. What do you think of his overall performance in Boston?
1: Well, I thought he played well, you know, 39 points. That's, you know, solid performance. Um, you know, I think, you know, Durant had a sub game, but, you know, the bottom line is, you know, what was happening during the game with Kyrie and the fans, and, you know, it's kind of like mixed emotions about that. It's like you want to like retaliate or do things, but for the most part, I believe that you know, as an athlete, you gotta like rise above it, which is easier said than done. Trust me, I've been there. But it's mm-hmm. it's just one of the situations where sometimes, you know. You basically want to just try to beat the team that you're playing rather than just engage with the fans because now they've done their job. Now they have you reacting to the stupidity that they you know, putting out there. And so basically, you know, you made their day. They're going to go home, yeah, I got Kyrie to respond to me. He flipped me the bird. And, you know, it's a, it's a no-win for Kyrie.
0: Olden, when did you see that at its worst? I mean, you played against some of the greatest players you were a very good player. Were there games where you really could hear it behind you? And even though you were locked in, just on a certain night or two, a fan or two or a, or a whole section was so loud that you remember it and you had to look around and, and deal with that insanity. What was that like?
1: Oh, I, I dealt with it many times. Um, the most well-known one was when I went back to Sacramento for the first time after being traded. You know, it was the chant of, O.P. sucks. And that one hurt me only because of what I had done for the community and the team, you know, led them to the playoffs for the first time. Um, I was very involved in Sacramento. And so when that happened, it was, I'm talking about incessant, OP sucks, OP sucks. But then I, I took it upon myself, okay, I could either get really emotional and get offended and, you know, let them take me out of my game, or I can flip it. So I just concentrated on playing well, and the more I scored, the more I started chanting with them. <laughs> 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 I just turned it into something funny. I was like, oh, he sucks. I was mobbing the words with them. Oh, P sucks. Yes, come on. There you go. And that's what you got to do. You just got to play. We won the game. I, I was ecstatic. And that- You don't engage because you're not going to win in that situation. The only other time that I had an issue – and I've always said this is definitely off limits. Somebody dumped beer on me, and that's when I, I, I kind of lost it because now we're getting into more physical stuff. But your words they don't bother me. I don't care, and whoever it is, wherever it is, and I I don't think Kyrie should have allowed people's words to bother him to where he started doing that because he's gonna get fined. And I I need to let JT. I need to let all these NBA guys know something. If you guys are thinking about doing something that's gonna get you fined, call me. I'll talk you
0: down. You can send me the money. Pack your bag to Beverly, who you know. Thirty grand. I've said thirty grand could take a family attend to Maui for two weeks <laughs> and stay in a great place. I mean, that's a lot of money. When it's, that's and I'm sure it's happening. To you when, you're, when you're fined and you have teammates, and when you were fined and how that works and they take it out of your check and it goes to the league fund and charities and all that. Do you do you think about it at the end of the year? Do you talk about it with your tax accountant, with your agent, when you see 10 missing or 5 missing? What's that like?
1: Well, I tried not to get fined. I really did. Mm. That was one of my things. I'm like, my mentality was this. I worked too hard to get this money for me to give it back to you. So I didn't get a lot of fines. But I do know guys that did, and I know how it works. You know, the league, they do automatically take it out your check, and it goes into a fund. And 90% of the time, they'll give it to charity. And then there's always that 10% where they will give it back to the players. You know, after they've done the research and everything else, they figure out, you know, hey, maybe, you know, we shouldn't have taken it. Because a lot of times when things happen, you know, it's in the in the moment, and then you can really pretty much talk to them later on as long as you've, like, maintained your cool. Like, a guy like Rasheed Wallace, he was not getting money back because there was always something. But if a guy is, like, relatively, you know, he doesn't do a lot of madness and he's not constantly getting fined, they usually, like, at the end of the season, like, you know what? He was, you know, that was just a one-time thing. You know, they'll give it back.
0: Olden Polonist joins us, 15-year NBA big man. You think this is bothering Durant? He had to deal with Harden not being in shape, and Harden ended up getting moved. They bring in Simmons, and I don't know what Durant thinks of that. And then Kyrie flipping off the fans, and Durant's looking at this saying, "I had Steph, I had Clay. You know, Draymond would get a little off from time to time, but you know, I knew Draymond." You think Durant's regretting this move?
1: <laughs> no, Kevin's not regretting. It. I do believe that he he should not have left uh, Golden. Mm -hmm. I thought that was like the perfect scenario for him because they allowed him to be himself there was no craziness as you just said it's like outside of Draymond but Draymond most of his antics are within the lines you know like the calls and all that but that's just him being emotional whereas some of these other guys it's just out there and so you kind of knew where you did. Plus, you know, you can still take as many shots as you wanted with Golden State. With these guys, and I think, JT, the bottom line is this. A lot of these guys, you know, they 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 call themselves pros- professionals because the term is we are, because we're getting paid, you're a professional. But a lot of them don't carry themselves as professionals. And I think that's the problem. A James Harden coming in out of shape, that's not a professional move. You know, that's unprofessional. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, with everything that went on with him, outside of the fact that he you know, he said that you know, a lot of stuff was some mental health issues, so I have to respect that he mm-hmm. made that statement. But at the same time, you know, you're still not being a professional by not taking care of yourself and your body. And, you know, now Kyrie is getting caught up with the fans. Again, I understand the fact that people are going to say crazy things to you. They'll call you out your name, talk about your mother, father, who but you still have to stay professional. So, yes, Kevin Durant is kind of regretting a little bit of that.
0: Wrapping it up with Olden Polonese, Chris Paul, incredible. Incredible the way he's playing. It's just, it just uh, He seems like this is the player, and we have this every era, every year, that's playing for that title that everybody knows has to have it. This is his moment. They're a one seed they should win. I would say easily. I know it's going to get tougher as they go deeper into the playoffs, but Olden, when you see Phoenix, how much better do they look than everybody else? Do you think one other team can push them at all out West?
1: I believe a couple of teams
0: can push
1: Phoenix, but Phoenix has all the pieces
0: for a championship
1: team. You know, they are the defending Western Conference champions, but Chris Paul is playing some great basketball, even at an older age. And so I think... One of the key components for him is the fact that he's always under control. He controls tempo. He controls everything. So his age doesn't even come into play because he can control every aspect of the game. Now, for you to win championships, you got to have good guard play. you got to have great inside play. And you got to have shooters on the outside. And you got to have great defense. And so that's why Milwaukee won. All the teams in the past have won because of those components. Phoenix has it all. They have a kid in Macau Bridges who should win defensive player of the year, but I don't think he will. But at the same time, he guards every position. He's always there. He hasn't missed a game in four years. And it's just all these components. DeAndre Ayton's playing great basketball. You know, they have veterans like Jay Crowder. So it's just they have everything with a great coach, Imani Williams. So to me, they are the number one team. But there's a team in San Francisco that is, man, (laughs) I mean, I don't like, you know, running out there after one game, but the fact that they have Clay back, Steph is Steph, Draymond's back, and you have an emerging Jordan Poole with that kind of swag and talent, oh my goodness. I know one thing, you might be bigger than them, but they have weapons on offense.
0: They do, and Draymond, for a guy who has a podcast and likes to be on TV, TNT as an analyst, man, he showed up, and he played well, so we're going to see a lot more from the Warriors. Warriors and Phoenix in a Western Conference showdown would be great. Olden, always appreciate your time. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks again.
1: All right, thank you.
0: Appreciate you, my friend. Olden Polonese. Fantastic. We have him on at least every two weeks during the playoffs. He's always great. Uh, Heartbreaking news today. The most followed athlete in the world with 99 million Twitter followers, and I think double that on Instagram. Maybe the greatest soccer player of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo. He announced on social media today that he lost one of his newborn twins. His newborn twin son has passed away as uh, those two babies just came into the world. He put out On social media, it is with our deepest sadness that we have to announce that our baby boy has passed away. It's the greatest pain that any parent can feel. Only the birth of our baby girl gives us strength to live this moment with some hope and happiness. We'd like to thank the doctors and nurses for all their expert care and support. We're all devastated at the loss, and we kindly ask for privacy at this difficult time. Our baby boy, you are our angel. We will always love you. From Cristiano Ronaldo. massive following around the world could happen to anyone. And it would be just as big Cristiano Ronaldo because he's trending. It's the number one trending sports story in the world for obvious reasons. There, Uh, respects and prayers go out to he and his partner here on this devastating news today, a big deal there. They just came up on a lighter topic here. The match Tom Brady will golf again. This is something that Derek Carr can play in. Carr's a very good golfer. It's going to be Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going to face off against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in the latest edition of the match. So that will come through here. PGA Tour is excited to kind of brand with us a little bit. You'll have the MVPs on the course together. There'll be a lot of try, uh, trash talking. Tom Brady put out on tw- uh, Twitter, we tried to make this a tag team cage match, but the lawyer said our contracts wouldn't allow it. It's the Capital One. The match is back June 1st. Brady and Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Aaron Rodgers tweeted out, not a fair fight. Me and Tom Brady against Patrick and Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes tweeted out, this should be fun. And uh, Josh Allen says, two old bulls, two young calves, the match coming up. I think they've done a nice job with this. I really do. You know, Phil Mickelson was there. Phil's going through a tough time now with the media. But I like that they're doing this. Uh, Raider Nation, uh, today we talked a little bit about Carr. The rest of the week will be more about the draft. I got three or four draft experts booked here in the next two weeks. So we'll find a way to tie it into the Raiders. But bigger picture is I'm basically going to sit around the first round and try to dissect what's going to happen here. This Kenny Pickett, the quarterback out of Pittsburgh, that some people believe can go as high as six to Carolina or maybe go 20 to Pittsburgh, he looks exactly like Justin Herbert. I mean, the face, the arms, the the length and all that. Herbert's a better quarterback, but Kenny Pickett looks exactly like him. So I'm going to be interested to see what's going to happen with him if these two teams are going to reach here. New Orleans could be in the hunt, but they got Jameis Winston. Seattle, they don't have a lot of draft equity. After giving up their draft equity, they could go get Baker Mayfield. What will Houston do now? Will Houston take another look at a quarterback We'll get a chance to see how this plays out. And in regards to the NBA playoffs, we'll be talking about that over the next couple of days, too, as I think most of these favorites in the first round are going to advance pretty easily. Miami's going to get through easily. I think the Warriors in Denver, that'll be fun to watch tonight, 430 Pacific. We have Toronto, Philadelphia. It's an important game to get James Harden going. Harden needs a game where he puts up 40 and gets Philadelphia on his side, uh, the second game tonight is going to be Utah at Dallas. There'll be no Luka Doncic there. I think they need to shut him down. He's too valuable. Uh, Utah should go up 2-0 in the series. That's on NBA TV. And the final game tonight will be Denver and the Warriors. And that game's at 7 Pacific on TNT. And, you know, Jokic should be the MVP. And the Warriors, they played Steph Curry in that first game. So I expect Steph to get better and better. Thanks to our guest, Olden Palanis, Mark Anderson, Harry Ruiz, the voice of the silver and black on the Latino side, and Stuart Swigert. Man, he was pretty excited, wasn't he? If you miss any portion of the show, you can find it at lbsportsnetwork.com. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Again, we'll tell you about all of our remotes that we'll be doing over the draft week, starting off with Modelo, a week from Thursday at Cafe Americano at Caesars, then the M Resort on Friday. Exciting time to be in Vegas, as always. Go Knights, go! Need to get behind VGK and get a couple of wins back-to-back here.